Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. As we reflect on the season, what does success look like if you took wins and losses and you put that to the side for a second? I did that, and it was really about the foundation that we built this year. I know that we're in a healthier situation now than we were before, and we're excited about where we're going. Now, it's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Here's Kevin Powell. Less than a week to go until the NFL Draft in Kansas City. Bears hold the ninth overall pick. Are they going to move up? Are they going to move down? What about Jalen Carter? What about the quarterback situation? How many quarterbacks go in the top ten? Who's going number one? And what about the Aaron Rodgers situation? Matt Verderam from Sports Illustrated. Join me to break it all down. Less than a week to go until the NFL draft in Kansas City, which apparently is the football capital of the world now. They've got Mahomes. They're winning Super Bowls. They're hosting the draft. And uh, it's kind of silly season out there. All kinds of mock drafts and trade ideas and where are the quarterbacks going and how far does Jalen Carter fall in the draft to sort it all out, Matt Verderam, NFL staff writer, Sports Illustrated. Matt, first of all, congratulations on the new gig with Sports Illustrated. I know this is a crazy busy time of year for you. Uh, let's start with the Bears, though. And let's say they stay at nine. And from your projections on how the top eight picks might pan out, who do you think the Bears go with at nine? I think it's probably going to be the best available tackle or edge rusher on their board. So realistically speaking, with the guys who are not going to be there, barring some kind of a shock, some of the quarterbacks we know the Bears aren't taking anyway. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I think it'd be surprising if Jalen Carter's there. Not impossible, but surprising. Uh, I still think he has a very good shot of being a top-five pick. Will Anderson's not going to be there. And I think Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, I don't think he's going to be there either. So then you start looking, okay, is Lucas Van Ness there? Uh, Nolan Smith, a couple edge rushers who are interesting guys. On the offensive line, Bears might have their pick of the litter. They might be able to pick anybody. So would it, would it be Paris Johnson out of Ohio State? Would it be Skaronsky out of Northwestern, the local kid? Um, would it be Darnell Wright, who's a guy who a lot of people think uh, has really risen up boards here over the pre-draft process? So I think for the Bears, it's just a matter of, you know, when you put that board together, when Ryan Poles is sitting there with his per- personnel department, he's looking at his big board in the war room, what is what is the biggest priority when they are on the clock? Is it is is the top of that board? Is it a tackle? Is it an edge rusher? Uh, but the good news for Bears fans, the draft is ultra deep in those positions. So there is going to be plenty of options, not only in the first round but in the mid rounds as well. It's going to be Bryce Young number one, right? I think so. Which it's funny, you know, I did my mock draft, which uh, you know is always a great pleasure, um, and I did that. <laughs> Oh, God, maybe 10 days ago, two weeks ago at the most. And I put Stroud at one, and the next day I started talking to people around the league about other things, and it kept coming up that, yeah, Young's locked in. He's going to be number one. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> should have made those phone calls a couple of days ago. <laughs> um, 
But, yeah, I think, I think Bryce Young at this point, yes. I, I'd be shocked if he's not number one. The real intrigue is going to start at two where there's a lot of smoke about the Texans, and sometimes that's, that's nonsense and teams are trying to play games. That's not nonsense right now. There's a real chance that Houston takes Will Anderson and just says, we're good. We're going to run – we're going to run it back with Davis Mills. Maybe we trade for Trey Lance, but they don't take a quarterback at two. Uh, if you had, because I think the Bears are, if you had a bet on a position they were going to pick at nine, it'd be offensive line, just because there are so many holes yeah. there. How do you sort of evaluate? I know Peter Skronsky, just about everybody seems to believe he'll be a top 10 pick, and he was a stud at Northwestern. And. But some are projecting him to be a guard. But if you look, if you were to kind of sort out the offensive linemen in the first round, especially near the top of the first round, how, how would you kind of rank them in your uh, evaluations of those guys? You know, I think it's all dependent upon how you envision these guys, both in scheme and then what you're asking of them right away. I personally feel like Skaronsky has the most versatility, and I like that in a pick for the following reason. If he can't play tackle in the NFL, he can go play guard, and he can be a really good guard. And I know that that's not what you're looking for out of a top-ten pick. I get it. But that is the worst-case scenario. Like In my eyes, the floor for him is being a pro Bowl guard. That's not a bad floor to have. Hmm. If you're another one of these tackles, like a Paris Johnson, if you're a Broderick Jones, if you're a Darnell all right, on down the list. Could those guys kick in? Yeah, but they're tackles. I mean, that's what they are. I think, for me, I like Skronsky, and then I like Johnson and Wright pretty much on the same level. I don't pretend to be uh, you know, an offensive line guru, but for me, you know, Jones is maybe a, a, like a half step below. But I think, I, to be fair, I think Jones, Wright, and Johnson, in my eyes, they're interchangeable just based on your scheme and what you're asking them to do. Where do you think Jalen Carter ends up? Seattle at five. I, Seattle needs a D tackle. They cut out Woods. They let Shelby Harris go. And then they brought in Draymond Jones. He's more of a DN. Yeah, I, I also think that that's a building where they believe in their culture. It's well-established. And I don't think they're afraid to take on a guy that's got a character concern to him. I mean, they've done that in the past. Okay, this is this is a franchise that they're sometimes willing to roll the dice a little bit on stuff like that. Now, Carter, on the field, there's no question. I mean, on the field, he can play. Now, I will say that pro day disaster with him would scare the hell out of me if I was a team. Like, it's, a, it's already enough, all the stuff that's off the field, all those concerns. Then you tack on – that for the biggest job interview of your life, you're so out of shape you can't finish drills in a pro day. That's deeply concerned. Like how how much do you really care? That all said, his tape is ridiculous, mm-hmm. and teams are going to sit there and say, "Look, if he's not in legal trouble, which right now he's not, if he's not in legal trouble, we're taking him because the talent is just off the charts." And I think when Seattle gets there, it's going to be a bunch of quarterbacks who went before. I think it's going to be Will Anderson who went before. And I think that Carter makes a lot of sense for them, both roster-wise and and, and fit-wise in terms of their established uh, culture between Schneider and Carroll. Yeah, I don't think 71-year-old Pete Carroll is overly concerned about any sort of character flaws or question marks, right? Like, the dude's been around forever. 
He's been the head coach for the Seattle Seahawks for, it'll be, what, 13 years now? They've had a lot of success yep. under Pete Carroll. I, I don't see Pete Carroll shying away from a player of this talent because of some question marks that might be around him. I, I just don't get that from Pete Carroll. Am I, am I right there? Do you feel the same way? I just think in general, in the NFL, like most teams, and this is going to come off really callous, but it's just the truth. Most teams, if you're a really good football player and you are not under like serious criminal investigation, they don't care. Yeah, They do not care. They will tell you they care. They will go up in front of the, the media, in front of fans, and talk about how much they care, and they know they're bringing a guy <laughs> they into don't. the community. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Can you play football? Can you help us win football games? That's really, at the I end mean, of the day, all that matters. Well, when the news broke, right, the legal stuff with Jalen Carter, of course, because of social media, like people go nuts. Like, oh, my God, like, is he going to drop out of the first round? What does this mean for Jalen Carter's right. career? I'm like, first of all, this is – the draft is a long way away. When did that news come out? Fe- yep. February? We were at the Combine. Yeah. We were at the Combine. Right. I'm like, happened. okay, this is the dust will settle. And and then teams won. I you know I don't even know what the initial thought was from teams around the league, but if you know of course the the, the NFL fan reaction was this is major. He might. What does this mean? I'm like there is a long way to go to the draft. The dust will settle a little bit. We're not going to completely forget about what happened, but teams will look at the talent and say, can you help me win football games? And at the end of the day, as long as they're not, as you said, under some major criminal uh, investigation or something, uh, teams will be willing to take a chance on you. I look at, and this is one example of a million, the Chiefs took Tyreek Hill in the 2016 draft after he had to transfer schools because of an incident where he struck his pregnant girlfriend at the time, who later became his fiancée, and then now they've since split. But the Chiefs took him in the fifth round, and at the time... We're thinking of him as a returner. Like they, they were willing to just say, oh, listen, he could be really good in the return game. He ended up blossoming into one of the great receivers of his generation. But the point is, the Chiefs looked at him and said, you know what? He'd probably be pretty good for getting his field position and took him. And that was that was fine by them. Like they looked at it and said, look, at this point, he's not under any, any legal penalty. We're going to take the guy. Uh, you know, and then, and then was, and then eventually he went on to Miami and got $30 million a year to play receiver. So I like the, the point is, look, Tyree Kill, since he's been in the league, has not gotten into any trouble. Um, and, and, and so the, the Chiefs and the Dolphins, look, I mean, I, I guess you could say we're justified in their belief in, in him. I, if you want to go that route, fine. If you don't, fine. But the, the point is, like, these teams, they're in the business of winning football games. And they'll pay a lot of lip service to the idea that, yeah, well, you know, we really want to bring in a bunch of Boy Scouts. Like they, they want to bring in guys who can play. And if they're Boy Scouts off the field, then that's great, all the better. But if they're not, as long as they're not, you know, looking at criminal penalty, most of these teams will privately tell you, yeah, listen, we'll deal with the blowback. It'll it'll go away when we're winning games. Yeah, let's go back to the Bears for a minute because I haven't had a chance to really ask you. But what was your initial reaction to the Bears Panthers trade, which? Move Carolina up to one, of course. Bears down to nine. Another yeah. first-round pick. DJ Moore was a huge piece of that trade. Even Ryan Poles talked about that. But what was your initial reaction to the the Bears-Panthers trade? You know, honestly, my initial reaction was one that I, I very rarely have with trades. I thought both teams did well. 
I thought, realistically, if the Panthers take Bryce Young in a week and he turns out to be a franchise quarterback, they're not going to care about what they gave up. They're not. Because they're going to be good 15 years. Um, the Bears don't need a franchise quarterback. So I think they might have one in fields. They went out and got a ton of capital. They got field to a legitimate num- excuse me, number one receiver. And so they also loaded up with all kinds of picks that they can use to bolster that roster. In the end, I think the Bears have more certainty in it because they can sit there and say, all right, we have more who we know is a very good player on a, on a reasonable contract, and they've got a bunch of picks. Um, the Panthers are the ones taking the big gamble here because if Young's not good or he's injury-prone or whatever the case may be, then, of course, they end up with a bunch of egg on their face and everybody's fired. So the Panthers are taking the bigger risk. But I thought it was fair. I, I thought both teams walked away with what they needed. The Panthers have a lottery ticket at a, at a franchise quarterback. The Bears have all the capital they could ever want to try to build around Justin Fields. Yeah, and, and I think all of us just want to see a respectable roster put around Justin Fields entering year three. What exactly are the Bears dealing with? I, I feel very optimistic about Justin Fields. Do I think it's a slam dunk yet? No, it's not a slam dunk yet. But he's also played behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Uh, Chase Claypool, that trade with the Steelers, you know, there wasn't a lot of traction last year. I mean, that's tough for a receiver to get implemented. All of these things we know, he was a little dinged up too. But, you know, all of a sudden, then Darnell Mooney's coming back from a major injury. But you got Mooney, Moore, and Claypool, Cole Komet too. You know, those are some good pieces. I, I, I think, as we talked about, address the offensive line, give, some, give Justin Fields something to work with. But this is a year where I think all of us want to have a, 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 a clear idea of what exactly the Bears are dealing with in Justin Fields. And I think to get there, well, one, part of it's on Fields, right, to continue to make a step and, and play well. Yep. But put a real team around the guy, and then let's see what happens. Well, and, and Kevin, the other thing now is, let's face it, that division's wide open. Yeah. That division is not good. The Packers are in rebuild mode. I don't care what they say about, oh, well, you know, well, we believe in Jordan Law. Maybe they do. That's fine. That team is not good. That team has a lot of holes. They have all kinds of, of issues with the cap. I mean, they, there's a reason they did nothing in free agency this year. So they're taking a step back for the first time in basically 30 years. The Vikings are the only team in my memory that I can think of that went 13-4, and four, and I wouldn't be shocked if they won seven games next year. Yeah, like I, I mean, that was the weirdest thirteen of four I can remember. <laughs> I do think they're talented. I also think they have a ceiling. The Lions are good, but the Lions are the Lions until proven otherwise. Can they get over the hump? Now, last year they really improved. I, I think they're the favorite in the division. I think they're a team that can win ten, eleven games. But they got to do it. They've got to go out and do it. Um, you know, are the Bears ready to go out and win a division? Probably not. But that being said, it feels takes a leap. And those those free agent signings, especially a linebacker, really start to pan out for the Bears. Maybe they find an edge rusher, another piece in, in the draft on defense. They're at least interesting. I mean, yeah. you could you could make an argument that they're playing meaningful football on Thanksgiving. So um, I think this is a, a time where even if you don't make the playoffs, to have a year like the Lions just had, get the seven eight wins. Go okay, maybe not there yet, but on the way. And I think that should be the goal for the Bears this season. Yeah, and look, I, look, they won three games, so you are what your record is. But there were the Bears were in just about every game last year. They really were. There were a they couple were. where there were blowouts, but they were right in it with Philly. They were right in it with Miami when Miami looked unstoppable offensively. 
Uh, and there were some incredible moments from Justin Fields, too. So, I, you know, you still got to go out and win games and find being in it doesn't really mean anything in the NFL, right? But I think they did show that um, they're at least they appear to be on the right path. I do want to talk about receivers because I did mention that they do have the Claypool, Mooney, uh, and DJ Moore now. But Mooney and Claypool with their contract situations, there's we don't know what that's going to be in a year from now. I, I don't see them going in the first round for a receiver, but what some names that you might want to throw out there later in the draft that could make some sense for the Bears at that position? Yeah, I think, there's, again, for the Bears, it's a, it's a good draft because a lot of their needs line up with the, with the depth of this draft. I mean, I think you could even take another tight end, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, they could, you know, they could look to take a guy day two. Uh, a receiver, there's a lot of guys who are really interesting. So I, I look at, I, in fact, I just wrote about five sleepers today over at SI. One of them is uh, Tank Dell, who... Played at Houston, um, came off coming off a huge. He is very diminutive. I, I think he's like five eight and a buck sixty five. He is tiny, but he is electrifying in open space. He's a very good route runner. I think he's a guy that would be really interesting on day two. Uh, Jaden Reed is another guy who he's out of Michigan State. He's actually a Chicago native um, or Chicago land native, I should say. Really, really interesting player. You know, a guy who, when you watch him, just has a lot of polish to his game. Good route runner. I think a guy in the NFL who maybe could, you know, be a be a nice possession receiver with even some upside there. And he's a guy if you look at when he played for the Spartans, he he really added quite a bit to their uh, to their offense. And, and I saw him firsthand down at uh, down at the Senior Bowl. He was excellent. So Reed's a guy I look at and say, okay, you know, maybe he makes a lot of sense. Um, and there, there's going to be options. I mean, the Bears are not going to be without their choices. And look, Cedric Tillman's another guy out of Tennessee. I love his game. There, by the way, there are some people with with Tennessee watching him and Hyatt, and I shouldn't say with Tennessee, but watching Tennessee with with Tillman and Hyatt that think Tillman might even be the better prospect. So there's a lot of depth, a lot of depth. Jonathan Mingo of, of Old Miss is another guy. A lot of people love him. He'll be a day two pick. Um, so the Bears are going to have their their options should they want to go that route. Uh, what is the latest? I'm kind of going all over the place with you here, Matt. But what's the latest on the Aaron Rodgers situation? Well, he's still with Packers, right? <laughs> like, and, uh, like uh, there's not going to be another team <laughs> emerging, right? Like, this is going to get well, done soon. So this is so. Right, I, I've talked to as many people as I could possibly talk to on this without annoying them to no end, and. <laughs> My my understanding is basically everybody else's understanding. The Jets and the Packers are having a staring contest. The Jets do not want to give up the first-round pick, which I don't think anybody believes they are going to have to give up. Why would they? they, have, they, they Rogers went public instead of playing for the Jets. Of course the Jets are going to are going to they're going to they're going to there is going to be a, sta- a, a staring contest with the Packers. Yes, and, and the funny thing is the Jets weren't going to give up the first-round pick even before that. So, but now the Jets have back-to-back picks in second rounds to trade Elijah Moore. So now you got you got Cleveland's pick in the second, okay, and you have your own pick through the Jets. Most people in the league, I wrote a piece on this about a month ago. Most people in the league feel like second round pick this year and a, and a conditional next year that they, they kind of moves based on uh, how how many games they win or kind of moves even before you make the trade, like, okay, look, we'll give you a, a fourth-round pick if you eat $10 million of his of his bonus this year, or $10 million of his $58.3 million payment. 
you know, maybe it goes up to a third round pick, the 15, and so on and so forth. So I think that's kind of where people are at. I think that's where the Jets are at. The Packers are holding on. Now, here's where one, one part of this could get very interesting. If they get through the draft and that trade has not been made yet, the 49ers are a team that absolutely could get involved if they want to. This year, it's very hard for them because they don't have picks. They traded three picks for McCaffrey. They're, they already didn't have the first rounder for Lance. But next year, they have all their picks. And Rodgers' cap hit, if a team acquires him in a trade, is $16 million bucks. It's not that expensive. And he's only there for a year. They have Purdy with a, with a blown-out elbow at the moment. They might trade Lance. I don't think Sam Darnold's presence is keeping them from going after Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so you'll wonder, at some point, do the Niners get involved? And I wonder, frankly, are the Packers sitting there waiting for that and saying, you know what? We hold out long enough, might happen. Also, and lastly, but I think this is important, my understanding from talking to people around the league is the Packers wouldn't mind getting a lot of 2024 capital instead of this year because if love isn't good and the Packers aren't good, that gives them more ammunition and potentially move up for Caleb Williams and Drake May next year. Mm-hmm. Now, that could be fine in the sky. There could be two teams that go 1-2 that need a quarterback, and those teams aren't trading out for anything. But if it falls a certain way, gives the Packers more options. So um, that's a, a long way of saying nothing's changed, but it could change rapidly if the Niners decide to get involved after the draft. It's interesting, this stare down between the two teams. All right, before I let you go, big news of the day. Uh, this broke just before we started recording, but uh, players gambling coming up again for the second straight off season. Uh, four Lions players, including 2022 first-round pick Jamison Williams, among five players league-wide to be suspended for violating the NFL's gambling policy after an investigation by the league. Tell us what you know, what you make of it, Matt. What do I make of it? The guys are really, really, really obtuse to these rules. Like, how, how do you gamble on NFL games if you're an NFL player? And I, and I don't want to hear anybody in my line of work who's like, well, you know, how could they get suspended for a year when other guys aren't getting suspended? Look, if you're gambling on the NFL, you're getting suspended. And you're getting suspended for a while, and you should be. It's about the dumbest thing you could possibly do. You are told constantly, do not gamble. Not on the NFL, not on other sports, but especially on the NFL. Do not gamble. And yet, you have a bunch of Lions players getting suspended, four of them in total, two indefinitely, two for six games, including James and Williams. Uh, Washington losing a player indefinitely as well. There are signs posted. Like Now, the one thing I will say, and this doesn't excuse the player. I mean, they, they do what they did. They, they deserve any punishment they get. But the NFL is walking a weird line with all this stuff because – you you are now in bed with all these gambling entities. I all the at, leagues are. I was at Radio Row. Everybody, absolutely, everybody is. I was down at Super Bowl for Radio Row, and if you've ever been down there, you know, there's all these tables for the radio stations, the smaller stations, and then around the the perimeter, there are these big setups. CBS is down there, Fox is down there. The two biggest setups down there, DraftKings and FanDuel. Yep. Like, you are constantly, constantly reinforcing, hey, gambling, 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 fantasy football, fantasy football, what's the line, what's the over? Now, these players got to just be 
smart and use the brain and realize, hey, I can't do this. But this is going to happen. I mean, I, I would guarantee you there are more guys in the league than the gambling that just haven't gotten caught. But this is <laughs> this is something the NFL is going to have to really figure out. And it's not going to just be the NFL. As you mentioned, it's other leagues, too. Other guys are going to get caught doing it in the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball. It's going to happen. And here's why, because immediately the reaction to the – when we see the year-long suspensions and – Immediately, of course, you know, the, the the Twitter fan says, well, how could he be suspended for the year and this player is suspended for that and Deshaun Watson this and this guy got a whole right. year. Here's the difference, okay? The, the, let's use the Deshaun Watson for an example. He, he was suspended, what, 11 games? And that, 11, that, 11 uh, games. 12 or 11? I'm sorry. 11. 11, 11 right. Games. And the NFL wanted more than that, but an individual arbitrator ruled on 11 games. And the difference here, no one's no one's comparing um, the which, heinous uh, correct, nature of it. Correct. It's also an off the field thing with Watson and away from football thing that happened. Obviously, this is kind of also a way too, but they were on team facilities. That the the main point here and why the NFL is coming down so hard on players that are doing this. You, you cannot jeopardize the integrity of the game. If fans start That's to it. believe that something sketchy and weird is going out there on the field, and especially with the amount of fans that are gambling on games, uh, you, you, you cannot lose that, that integrity, that component of the game. It, is, there might be chaos around the league at times. There might be players doing things that are way worse than just placing a bet on a particular game. But if you're the NFL... You have to protect the integrity of the game. If this is this is a slippery so- slope, and if it continues to happen, fans on Sundays in the back of their minds are going to consistently be thinking, "Oh, I wonder what he. I wonder if he's got money on this and this and that." So that, if you're wondering why Watson got 11 and another player got a year for gambling, that's why. <laughs> that's why. There is there is nothing more important to professional sports leagues than their integrity. The second those games are seen as not on the level, your league is done. Yeah. I mean, that is that is it, at least in the form it's in. I mean, and you can go back over 100 years, obviously in this town, to the Black Sox scandal, 1919. Like, back then, guys never played again. That was it. Like, you cannot have that. And by the way, you know, I always, I always laugh, because after every week of football games in the NFL, Invariably, whatever team loses a close game, you see fans on Twitter who are like, game's rigged, game's fixed, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> and you laugh because you're like, yeah, no, it's not. You're just, it's sour grapes and you can't deal with the fact that you lost in teams three and eight. But like, <laughs> if there ever came out that some official was doing what Tim Donahue was doing in the NBA, like, that is the league's worst nightmare because then all those people could sit there and say, see, I told you, I knew it wasn't on the level. So you're right. Look, the NFL, they have no choice. You cannot slap guys on the wrist with this. You've got to be as heavy-handed as possible, and the union knows it. The union's not even going to fight because they know that the NFL has got to do this. So, um, look, you know what? These guys know not to gamble. I have no sympathy for this. You know not to do it. You're told a million different ways not to do it, and yet here they are. Yeah, and it's in our faces, right? I mean, there are a million apps to do it. It's as easy as it's ever been to place a bet here and there. But this is now going to be a component that NFL front offices have to deal with. And part of getting players involved and acclimated into the NFL culture is stressing, you cannot do this. 
because it could be yeah. your, your season uh, on the line. You just, it just it just can't happen. Um, he's Matt Verderam, Sports Illustrated. Any just final thoughts? I, I mentioned in the beginning, Kansas City, man, it's just like the football capital of the world. They've got the best player on the planet. They're winning Super Bowls, and now the NFL world heads back to KC for the draft. It's pretty incredible where they're at right now. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a nice run after 50 years of being a complete disaster for for most of that time, and then and then uh, another 10 years mixed in just agonizing torture for anybody who's a Chiefs fan. Yeah. Um, yeah, two Super Bowls, four years, been to three of them, won seven straight division titles. I'll give you, you know what? Look, I'll just for the audience. Here's a here's a crazy stat: Patrick Mahomes has been a starter for the Chiefs since. The last game of his rookie year, so 2017, he played, he played Week 17 at Denver. In 16 games in the AFC West, 16 road games, he is 16-0. and <laughs> They have never lost with him as their quarterback on a, in, a, in a road divisional game. Well, I mean, if that's not indicative of your dominance, I don't know what is. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to bring some optimism for Bears fans with this draft and the direction of the team, and then we got to finish with that, Matt. They're, they're never going to forget <laughs> that a particular general manager passed on Mahomes, but that's all right. We might we might have a franchise QB here in Chicago. We'll see. Uh, he is Matt Verderam, does a great job covering the NFL. Be sure to read his stuff at Sports Illustrated. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Verderam, V-E-R-D-E-R-A-M-E. Uh, always love talking to you, Matt. Appreciate the time ahead of the draft. No problem. Anytime, man. And that's episode 64 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to Matt for joining me. Thanks to Brian Altimer and Ernie Scatton for their help producing the podcast. The draft less than a week away. We'll hear from Ryan Poles on Tuesday. He'll hold his pre-draft media availability where I'm sure he'll tell us exactly who they plan on selecting with the ninth overall pick. Thank you again for listening to episode 64 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast.